This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 29. Last week, we talked about overcoming inertia, that feeling of being stuck, the procrastination that really keeps us from progressing in our goals, right? It's a key barrier to maximizing our productivity. And I hope that you had a chance to think about what are some strategies in how you get over that inertia, how you get rid of the things that really exploring and eliminating the things that are keeping you stuck. As we continue to explore the idea that productivity can be designed and implemented in a way that can help us live a life of purpose. This week, I want to explore how our perfectionism is one of these barriers. How many times have you wanted to do something and you think, not sure. Maybe this is not the right time because I don't have the time to do it as well as I know I can do. So instead, I'm just going to wait and do it later. Does that later ever come? Have you found yourself getting, letting go of dreams, of things that you want to do, but you aren't sure if you can do it as well or as perfectly or as detail-oriented as you want it to be. And so you just say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't do it. Have you found yourself letting go of your dreams because your perfectionism is a barrier to your productivity? Sometimes you may even do it. You may even start the project or start something that you really want to do and then you stop midway. You don't finish it. So what are the things that you aren't starting or you're giving up midway? because you think it is not good enough. What if if it is good enough? What if what you're doing makes all the difference, not just for you, but for those around you? If we can embrace our perfectionism with self-compassion, with love, with maybe even a little adventurism, right? What if we said 60%, that is definitely the way that I'm gonna get this done. And, And don't get me wrong, perfectionism kept me stuck for a long time until I realized what I was giving up by by letting the thoughts that it is not enough stop me from even trying, stop me from saying yes to the things that I want. So now I embrace a little bit of that uh, imperfection because that to me means that I tried, that I did it, that I stepped outside of my comfort zone and did something, that I'm human, that I'm enough just as I am right now. So I want you to take a deep breath and tell yourself out loud, I'm in a, what I do today matters. 
what I do today is important. Getting up in the morning and doing all of the things, making breakfast, getting kids to school, completing errands, paying bills, responding to emails. These are all things that makes my day better and my family's day better, my work better, and what I do is enough. What if we said this to ourselves every day? Instead of starting our day saying, ah, you didn't do this right. You burnt the toast. You forgot to buy milk again. You didn't pay the bill on time. You didn't buy groceries this week. Or you didn't make dinner on time. You forgot to check the homework for your children. You didn't do X, Y, Z correctly, perfectly. What if we stopped telling ourselves that what we do isn't enough? What would that day be like? So I hope you think about that. And even if it is one small thing, I hope you embrace your imperfections as something that is so valuable and part of what makes each and every one of us human. If you would like to know more on how I design and implement my most productive week, I am happy to share that I finally have it available on my website. You can go to www.sorenitywellnessmd.com forward slash productive week and you will have access to a ebook that allows you to see how I structure it and allows you to implement it for your own life. I also include a, a meditation and journaling exercise that's recorded just for you and you'll get to use that and get into the right frame of mind so that you can create your most productive week. I hope you enjoy it and I would love to hear your stories and how you have maximized your productivity. I also want to invite you to join me in a webinar that I'll be conducting on September 21st Tuesday at 9 p.m. where I talk about what it takes to really maximize your productivity. How are you going to get through that initial thrust? Learn where to put your focus on. And I'm going to share my three secrets that has really changed how I have taken control of my time, my energy, and productivity so that I don't feel like I'm always working till the last minute, pushed to my limit, and not able to enjoy those moments of fun, relaxation, time with my family, compassion and mindfulness for myself, and still really get all of the things that I want to get done. So I hope to see you at the webinar. And I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast on embracing imperfections with self-compassion. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Kara Pepper. Dr. Pepper is a practicing primary care internist and certified life coach in Atlanta, Georgia, who has really embraced what it means to rebuild her life and career after going through burnout herself. And I can't wait to talk about all topics on burnout and wellness and how we can rebuild the change that we need to see. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to welcome you and have you here. And I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, how it's been to be to balance being a physician, being an entrepreneur, and all of the different hats that you wear. Thanks. I, I think we all find our way through life. And it's really through looking in the rearview mirror that we often add up all the pieces to figure out how we got to where we are. So I started this journey as a professional ballet dancer and left home at 13 in order to pursue that dream. And after years of not taking care of myself and fueling my body, my career ended because of injuries. So I found my way into medicine thinking I wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. But as it turns out, I'm really meant to be in primary care. I love those long-term relationships and the connection and puzzle solving with patients. But I brought all my perfectionism and posturism and workaholism, all my isms with me into medicine. And so seven years into my clinical career, ended up crashing and burned epic burnout and really had to reconcile what was driving me and keeping 
keeping me from really truly taking care of myself holistically. So it really forced me to build a life that was sustainable. And I returned to the practice where I burned out. And so this is my 13th year in clinical practice and very sad, lonely time of burnout. I found coaching and I continued my therapy and it really helped me find purpose out of that pain. And so I became a coach to help other physicians who are struggling with burnout and perfectionism. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And one of the things that you said that I think all, probably all of us who have been through a burnout experience is how lonely it is in that space. We feel like we're the only person who's really struggling so much, or there's something wrong. I felt like there was something wrong with me that I I couldn't figure out. And another factor that you said that is really so true, but we don't really reflect on that is how much it's a habit, how much it's a habit to put ourselves last or close to last, right? We are, we make it a habit to fulfill what we think are expectations on ourselves, either from others or, or, or really ourselves. And, and we think this is the only way, like the only way to do a good job is to not eat, not pee, not drink, and to work yourself to exhaustion. Because if you took a break, that was a time you could have been productive. That was a time you could have been efficient. And I think that what I realized I, I, in the surgery world, I felt, you know, what I was expected of myself, essentially, I don't think anyone ever verbalized that as an expectation of me, but what I expected of myself is I got to keep working on figuring out how to be more productive. And it took a long time for me to realize actually doing less and taking time to nourish ourselves, our mind, our body, et cetera, is actually how we can be more productive. Because the more we push ourselves, the more we were functioning at this 100% exhausted level, it's really not very efficient to, to work in that space. But it took a long time. I hear you and I see you. And I think for all, for any of my listeners who are feeling alone going through a burnout, just know that you are not alone. And there are so many of us who've been through it, going through it, and sometimes still going through, you know, we still, because of these habits that we've built into our life, sometimes we still have these spaces where you hit that space where you're thinking, wow, I feel really exhausted. Like, how am I listening to my body and how am I honoring what I need? when I think about what everyone else needs. Absolutely. I think the social conditioning certainly starts when we are very young. How can we create our own worth? And it starts very simply, but great job. You got an A on that test in fourth grade. Good for you. And so we learn very early that success, pleasure to those around us, and it brings accolades to us. And of course, those things are measurable in our journey through medicine, but not specific to medicine. We always strive to be the best or to get good grades, but particularly for women, particularly for minorities, we're conformity and meeting expectations and needing to go above and beyond to be recognized really gets inextricably related to our own worth. I am valuable because I produce. I am valuable because I am achieving and I'm doing the best that I can. And so we often lose ourselves along the way. And I see this very commonly in my clients. We've checked all the boxes like med school, residency, attending job. Maybe you get partnered. Maybe you have children, buy a house. And then all of a sudden, what's next for me? We've lost ourselves along the way. And so when I ask not only my patients, but my clients, what do you do for fun? Who are you outside of your job? It's often met with silence because people don't even know. And so really returning to check in with ourselves to say, who am I and what do I need is the work. But very basically, as you described earlier, like our very basic needs are often not being met. We're not sleeping. We're not taking time to pee when we're seeing patients in clinic. We eat lunch at four in the afternoon because we didn't have time because we squeezed in one more patient. So it's really fascinating to me 
how socially, particularly in this context of COVID, there's all this healthcare heroes narrative. But at the same time, we often feel like we're failing because all of these extrinsic metrics are really not what satisfies us and makes us feel whole and worthy and happy at this stage in our life. So really getting back to who am I? What do I truly need on a basic level? And what do I need in this next stage of life now that I've done the things that I've already done? Yeah. And like we were talking a little bit earlier, just to give ourselves permission to be human. We expect that and sometimes it's in the context of being a mom or being a parent. Sometimes it's in the context of, oh, this is what my patients need, or this is what my work needs. This is what my family needs. And we forget we are human. And there, you know, we, just as we give permission to our children to go have fun, do this. Why don't you sleep early today? You have an exam tomorrow. We don't do that for ourselves. And how would we treat ourselves if we were essentially like our best friend or the inner child when we try to think all of the criticisms and the isms like you were talking earlier. Oh, oh my goodness, you didn't do that today. Like you failed again. You didn't, you didn't pick up mail. You forgot about this. You forgot about that. And what about all the things that we did do? And to just connect to gratitude that we're doing the best that we can. And not everything on this impossible to-do list needs to be done. We often overestimate what we can accomplish during a day, but underestimate what we can accomplish in a year. So this practice of daily self-compassion, I'll tell you, particularly as a perfectionist and working with folks who are perfectionists, self-compassion truly is the antidote to that. And when I started my own self-compassion practice, this is Kristen Neff's work that your listeners may be familiar with. It really, it met me with this sense of softness and nurturing and frankly my productive mind of I don't have time for this that's cute for a spa weekend but I actually have things that need to get done and no amount of being nice to myself is going to get them done which is actually the opposite of the truth but interestingly she's come out with this new book called fierce self-compassion which really meets us in that space of yeah I know that the culture is telling me that I need to see five more patients today but I simply cannot like my active self-compassion is to say I, I need to have boundaries I am no longer able to see more patients today. No, I'm going to stop and nourish my own body. It really comes into play when we talk about things like gender pay gaps or inequities or the Me Too movement or Black Lives Matter, any of the social justice movements really to say this is compassion to say I'm suffering and it's important for me to take action in that way. So the very basic practice is to look inward and say, what do I need today? And maybe that means I need an extra hour of sleep. Maybe that means I need to sit on the carpet and play with my kids and really connect. Maybe that means I need to drink a glass of water. But unless we're checking in, it's really hard. Yeah. And it really doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Because a lot of times people ask, what do I do for self-care? And there's no book because we are all different. We don't have to follow any expectation. We could really honestly just say, what do I need? And just listen to what our body is telling us. And we've spent so much time ignoring our body that this practice might take a little bit of time in the beginning. But one of the primary reasons why I felt, and a lot of what I stand for is really including that mindfulness piece with productivity is because I think mindfulness is so important. It's like the foundation of productivity. And uh, and a lot of times people who come to me for productivity coaching, they're thinking I'm going to talk about calendar management and time management, which is I do. I talk about that. I talk about habit building and how do we set up better, healthier habits for ourselves. All of that is there. But really, ultimately, I have found 
productivity is connecting to ourselves, being compassionate with ourselves and with others and doing the thing that is the most important instead of trying to do everything, which is what our brain tells us we need to do to be productive. But really by building that focus and saying today, what I need to be productive is to think today, what I need to be productive is to finish reading this book or write my report or spend time with my children. Because every day we have that 24 hours in a week, we have 168 hours. That is all we have. And none of us are going to create any more time. So by by making these metrics, if you will, in our mind that, oh, we're going to create this perfect box and everything, even though we have things that require like 20 hours, we're somehow going to do it in two. It's really putting so much strain just even on our concept of productivity. And at the end of the day, making us feel like we failed when really nobody, no human could have done that. And giving ourselves permission to say, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm going to do the first two on that list. And then I'm going to go hang out with the kids and, and watch a movie or, or go for a walk or catch up on my sleep, whatever it may be. But just listening and giving ourselves permission to do the thing that we are recognizing that we need. Yeah, absolutely. And mindfulness felt very nebulous to me when I got into this work. Oh, I can sit and feel zen and whatever. But it is exactly like you're saying, literally just checking in. And then the next step is to have a plan. So let's say you checked in the morning and you're like, wow, I feel exhausted today. I am going to honor that by saying, okay, great. Instead of this endless to-do list, I'm going to do two things and feel very successful about that. Because so many of the people I'm personally surrounded with will be like, well, I can't do nothing. Well, actually rest is productive. It quite literally makes us more creative. It improves our cognition and improves our resilience and improves our ability. So doing nothing by watching a movie with your kids is actually every And really at the core of who we are as humans, the need to feel connected, loved, validated. Like it's those tiny moments that we all remember, like just being able to sit down and have a conversation about what happened during your day. It's those moments that are everything. They are not nothing. If you want to say today I mothered, for example, like check, I sat Mm -hmm. down at the dinner table and had a conversation with my kids and that was everything. It doesn't have to be the massively curated Mm -hmm. birthday parties or the big Disney vacation. It is the... It's the tiny nickels and dimes in the bank that really make a difference for us as humans and acknowledging our own suffering. And one other point that I'd love to make about that is that life is messy, right? We can't be only happy or only loving or only joyful. It's those moments where you watch the people around you struggle and overcome that are so important. And so just honoring our own humanity to say, today is really not good. Instead of saying fine, being like, you know what? Today was really hard. I really had to deliver bad news to a patient or my kid's really struggling and I'm really worried about them to just be honest about who we are it really opens the door for other people to be human as well and deepens the connections that we also desperately crave yeah absolutely that's beautiful and and so important especially now i feel like we are the pandemic has been a long journey there's still ups and downs in it and there's a lot of stressors kids are going back to school soon there's a lot of stuff going on and if we can't if we are not able to give ourselves that space to say, yes, today was this or today was great. And some days, like you said, today is not great. I remember a lot of times what I was doing before, a lot of times what I was focusing on, okay, I I just need to, there's just one more thing I need to do. And then I'm going to have so much more time. I'm going to get caught up. 
But that nebulous space of getting caught up actually has never come to my life because there's always something more that gets added onto the list. And what I found is I'm either sitting at the desk trying to do something and I'm distracted and kids are upset because I told them I would be with them two hours ago and I'm still working. And, and I realized that, you know what, we don't have to ever be done. It doesn't ever have to be this perfect, okay, yeah, everything's good, box closed, I don't have to think about anything. No, there's always going to be something more. And that's just part of life. Going back to school, there's going to be a transition and there's going to be something more that we're going to deal with, that we're going to talk about, we're going to address. And that's still okay. When I told myself that, yeah, I have unfinished work and, and I'm just, I, this is the time I closed my computer down and that it created such a huge element of productivity for because I knew, okay, in 30 minutes, I'm going to be done. So it's that last 30 minutes of pushing through and getting stuff done. That was amazing. And knowing that I was going to have free time where I didn't have any expectations on myself, the white space on our calendar that we don't all plan for, but that is so important for our, for our brain. Cause our brain's not a computer. Even a computer gets shut down at the end of the night, but we expect our brain to keep going, to function at this hundred percent efficiency. And I've been experimenting with my life level of efficiency, if you will. And, I, and I'm finding that at 50 to 60% is where I am really at my best, at my peak efficiency. And I would never have been able to accept that maybe a year or two ago. But now if I tell myself, wow, like this is all I should be working because that's how I produce my best work. That's how I can be the best surgeon and, and can be the best mom and all of the things, all of the hats that we wear. That is how we be our best is by saying, when I work at 50%, 60%, whatever, each of our numbers, then we're doing our best work. Yes. And I, I would just like to comment about perfectionism because that's like my total jam, my perfectionist. It is literally a perfectionist fantasy that we say, I can get all the things done on my list and then I can relax. I can do all my charts and then I can relax. I just need to get one more load of laundry done and then I can relax. It's literally this fantasy that if I can just do it, be enough, say enough, do enough things that I can be okay with me. And that is why we're never okay because it's waiting for the world around us to change so we can feel okay. And so by checking in, as you suggested, to say, what do I truly need right now? Like I recognize that 75% of the possible work, I feel okay. I show up in the best way possible and I can love and connect in the way that I want. That is truly honoring. That is real productivity. That is really loving ourselves. So I love that you bring that example that we don't have to be the top producer to be worthy. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. And that we can actually be our best because it's important not to be comparing what we're doing with someone else because that's a comparison is a joy, is the thief of joy. But we can really be our best by working at 60 or 75% of whatever. We don't have to be 100% which is a lie that our brain tells us to feel, oh, it's because I haven't reached 100%. That's why I don't feel good about it. No, like you said, that space is actually just always going to be beyond our fingertips. But if we enjoy and appreciate where we are right now and say, we are doing amazing, we're doing all the things that we should, and it's exactly where we need to be, that extra three things on that to-do list really is okay. We don't need to 
do that to be okay. Yeah, but that is the voice of self-compassion. That is saying, I really, truly recognize when I've pushed past my limit of suffering. It's like the noticing part of self-compassion. It normalizes to say everyone is struggling and no one has it better or worse. We all have our own stories. Other people are going through the same thing that I can. The best way to be kind to myself is to say, today I've done enough work and my personal best will look different every day and that is okay. But I often challenge my clients to say, what does it truly mean? If you want to be a, what is showing up as a good mother, for example, or a good physician in our community or a good friend? What does that look like? And people often have this whole list of like idealistic views, fine. But when you really whittle it down into one vision statement, it's often like to show up with love, to hold space with someone else. That basically is it. That's all we can offer in the end. Even with our patients, we can be highly technically trained and have all the resources that are out there. But at the end of someone's life, there's sometimes things we can't fix and just being with our patient is all and everything to offer them sometimes with our kids in their suffering but to be with them and say I love you and I see you and I know this is really hard like that's active compassion for ourselves mm-hmm. and for other people so the fantasy just recognizing that the fantasy is if we can just do enough we can be okay mm-hmm. that is a lie that we've indoctrinated and that we can choose not to believe anymore we have choices because thoughts are not facts we have they are all optional and we can just choose which thoughts are working for us and which ones are not. And I can relax when my charts are done is not a helpful thought for me because the charts will never be done. There's always going to be something more, some message on Epic or whatnot that we have to address. And and yeah, that's really a beautiful space to to expand on that. The biggest gift that we can give is to be present for and including for ourselves to be there for ourselves. I would love for you to share a little bit on, you mentioned self-compassion, which I agree with you, self-compassion and being present is probably two of the most precious gifts that I have given myself in the last few years. And and I think that's where we do find our joy and our connection. But what are some other strategies that maybe you've used to to help yourself or your clients? What are things that you do to, to build wellness in your everyday life? Yeah, so I think it starts by just defining what does wellness look like very clearly. And as a physician, people come to me for their physical wellness, but it is inextricably linked to all these other components of wellness. So mental, emotional, spiritual, financial, social, environmental. And so if you look at it, a pie, there's actually a tool called the wellness wheel, but each piece of that pie adds up to the sum total. So for example, like you could be diagnosed with cancer, but you could have great family support and have great insurance. So financially, there's not a stressor and feel connected to your friends and weather that storm of physical wellness in a way that would be very different if you didn't have those other pieces of your wellness taken care of. So first is just assessing like where, what does that look like for you? And where are the, where are there areas of improvement? And then the second piece is just addressing that. You could be, for example, 30 years old and have great physical health, but you're looking for romantic connection, right? Like maybe that is like the area of, of health that you're working on. Or for my generation, I've got two children, I've got aging parents, like really taking care of my mental and emotional health is everything. You know, for my parents, it's more focused on their physical health. So really identifying that one, like what do you need to work on? And then secondly, actively making that part of your daily process. So you talked several times about habits. Habits are just behaviors that slowly add up over time. We think about New Year's resolutions. People would say, okay, great. I'm going to train for a marathon and call my mom every day and also start going to church and also save for retirement. Pick one tiny thing that is achievable and do that for three months, three solid months until it's just 
part of your daily routine. And that could literally be, I'm doing five push-ups, or I'm going to write one sentence in a journal every day. Or it could be, I'm going to send a quick text to a friend every day. Like whatever that tiny thing is, just practice that. And then when it becomes habituated over three months, then take the next step. What, how can you build on that progress so that every day you're moving forward, all those little 1% add up to 100% over a summary. But the third piece, no matter where you are, is that we are designed to be connected as humans. And so really finding who are the people that fill you up and where do you feel safe to talk about who you really are, what you're really struggling with. So my team personally, I'm married. I'm grateful that I'm in a healthy marriage. I have a small circle of ride or die friends who I adore, but I also have a coach and I've been a recipient of coaching for three years. I have a therapist I've seen for 11 years and I don't see them because I feel bad or I feel like I'm struggling. I see them to continue to stay well. It's just part of my secret sauce that keeps me healthy. So whatever that looks like for you, having connections, I think that's so critically important because the loneliness and the compare and despair really creeps into our lives very Absolutely. So many beautiful pieces of advice and being able to explore that. What what does wellness mean for us? And a lot of times I'll tell myself, oh, this is important to me. And then I do a calendar check-in once a week. So I look at what the last week has been, what I'm grateful for and plan out my week for the next week. And I look at, well, did I show up for the things that I said are important to me? Or do I keep canceling them out? And what does that mean? Because maybe it means that I don't want to do it. But maybe it means that I need a little help or support in, in getting that as part of my daily or weekly routine. I think we can we can learn about what we even want by looking at what is already happening in our life and how are we filling our time and what are we using it for? I love it. And now if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and know more about you, where would they find your information? Yeah. So my name is Kara, K-A-R-A, last name Pepper. So Kara Pepper D on any social media platform. My website is karapeppermd.com. And you can always email me at kp at karapeppermd.com. Very easy to find. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate the time that you've spent with us and all the wisdom that you've shared. It's been really amazing to chat. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I love the work that you're doing. Thank you for Thank you so much for joining us today. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at Serenity Wellness MD on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.